good morning. I'd like to begin uh, my comments this morning by asking a question. I'm curious how many of you have ever been frustrated by the fact that you couldn't change in some area of your life? Don't raise your hands, but just think to yourself that you found yourself in a position where you were just not able to make progress, where you feel like you were stuck. I think when we find ourselves in a situation like this, what we need many times is a breakthrough. Uh, many times we will not make progress unless something comes along, and unless we face some kind of a breakthrough that allows us to continue moving forward. Before I injured my back, I used to like to go golfing. I was uh, never good at golfing. I can't blame my back for that. I just was not good at golfing. The only consistent thing about my golf game was its inconsistency. Uh, but one day I was golfing with a friend of mine and he said, do you mind if I uh, tell you something about your swing? And I said, well, sure. And he said, well, when you swing the club, you look like a turkey flapping its wings. He said, the elbow is supposed to be tucked next to your side, and, and when you swing the club, your, your elbow goes up like that, and, and you're never going to have a good swing as long as that's the case. And so I took a couple of practice swings, and, and then I went and tried to hit the ball, and I was shocked at the difference it made. The ball went far, it went straight. The rest of the day, all of the hits almost were really, really good, and that changed my game forever. That one hint was the breakthrough I needed in order to make progress in my golf game. Webster defines a breakthrough as an act or instance of moving through or beyond an obstacle. In other words, it's you're moving through, something's in your way, and you move through it, some kind of obstacle. The English Oxford Living Dictionary defines it as a sudden, dramatic, and important discovery or development. In other words, something changes, there's now a development or there's a new discovery, and it allows you to continue moving forward. I think we all need breakthroughs in our lives. For some of you, perhaps you've been spiritually stagnant for a long time, and and you need some kind of a breakthrough. Breakthrough For some of you, maybe it's, it's again, some area of your life that you just need to change, and, and what you need is a breakthrough. Perhaps it has to do with relationship of some kind where there just needs to be some kind of a breakthrough, or perhaps you need healing from the past, and you've been just kind of in this cycle of looking back instead of forward. What you maybe need is a breakthrough. I think we all do sometimes need a breakthrough. Today I want to talk about the idea that because of the resurrection, we can experience breakthroughs in our lives. In fact, my takeaway is this, because Jesus broke out, we can experience a breakthrough. Because Jesus broke out of the tomb, we can experience breakthroughs in our lives. He made it possible for things to move forward. And I want to look at three areas in which this is the case. First of all, I want to focus on the past that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is a pardon for the past, that we can experience forgiveness of our sin because Jesus rose again from the dead. Recently, I've been reading a biography about the Protestant reformer, Martin Luther. He lived in the 1500s. He's the guy that, that nailed his 95 theses on the door of the Catholic Church and was responsible for this thing called the Reformation. But Martin Luther was somebody that could never feel forgiven. 
He just felt like he was such a sinful person and he sinned all the time and he tried to get rid of sin. He went to confession and he confessed his sins and he confessed and he confessed. He was actually driving the priest absolutely crazy. Like nobody's that bad and he would just continue to confess various sins. One author put it this way, Luther's overactive mind was constantly finding ways in which he had fallen short. And every time he went to confession, he confessed all of his sins as he was supposed to do. But then, knowing that even one unconfessed sin would be enough to drag him down to hell, he racked his brain for more sins and found more. There was no end to them. It was his fear of eternal judgment that caused Martin Luther to decide to become a monk because he thought, well, if I'm a monk, then God has to accept me. But he found that didn't work either, and he continued this, this process of confessing sin but never, ever feeling right or clean, pardoned or forgiven. Around this time, though, he began to read his Bible. And he began to see some things he'd never seen before, and he realized that our standing with God is not about what we do for God. It has everything to do with what he did for us. That God made it possible for our sins to be completely forgiven through Christ. Jesus paid the debt in full. And because Jesus rose again from the dead, it demonstrates that the payment that he made on our behalf counted. <clears throat> Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, related to the resurrection. He said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. You see, we believe the death of Christ was essential for us to experience forgiveness of sins, but so was the resurrection. Jesus, or Paul said here, if, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, you're still in your sin. Why would that be the case? Well, it's because it would mean that sin was greater than Jesus' ability to take care of it. It would mean that all the sin of the world had been piled upon Jesus and he died and was buried, but it was greater than he was. But Jesus did rise again from the dead. It shows that the payment was made in full. He overcame both sin and death. It also demonstrates that the payment that he had made on our behalf was accepted by God the Father. What is our response to this? Well, in Romans 10, 9, we read, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It's a reference to his deity. In fact, he was God, the Son of God, and God the Son. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. To be saved means to be delivered from the penalty of your sin and you see that the only requirement is to put your trust in Jesus, believing who he was and what he came to do and that he did indeed defeat sin and death when he rose again from the dead. John put it this way in John 6 and verse 40. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. If we see who Jesus really is and we put our trust in him, we experience a pardon for our past. In addition to that, though, there's power for the present. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, Paul indicated that the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work within us through the Holy Spirit that God has given to us. In other words, it's, it's a breakthrough. It's an opportunity for us to make progress because of the power of God's Spirit who lives inside of us. In Ephesians 1, Paul prayed that we would see this 
that we would understand the power, because I think many times we don't live in the power that we have through Christ. It's a resurrection type of power. In Ephesians 1.19, Paul said, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The very power that raised Christ from the dead. You know, it's kind of a big deal to raise someone up from the dead, especially if they've been in the tomb for three days. You say, what power was involved in doing that? And yet that same power is available for us. And yet we live as like paupers when it comes to power. We do not understand or recognize the very power that's at work within our lives that can make a difference in our lives. One of the best indications of this power is seen through those disciples who follow Jesus. You remember that the night that Jesus was betrayed, every one of them fled, and then they remained in hiding for several days. They were keeping a low profile. But something happens when you witness a resurrection. Suddenly Jesus appeared to them and it changed everything. And shortly after that, the Spirit of God was given to them. And they became so bold, they became so zealous. These guys that were hiding became ones who were boldly preaching the good news about Christ. I love Peter's example on Acts chapter three. Peter was, of course, the guy that denied Jesus three times. He said, I don't even know him. He was afraid. And yet on the day of Pentecost, he boldly said these words in Acts 3.15, you killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. We saw it with our own eyes. These guys ended up dying, 10 of them as martyrs for their message that we've seen the risen Christ made a huge difference in their lives. And it's because God's spirit came inside of them when they put their faith in Christ. The very power that raised Christ from the dead is at work within them and it was at work within us as well. And so the resurrection provides a pardon for the past, power for the present, but finally, it's a promise for the future. The bottom line is this, because Jesus rose again from the dead, those who put their trust in Christ will also rise from the dead the same way he did. When I was growing up, one of my brothers owned a hamster. And one day, my three brothers and I were in the garage for some reason, and my older brother was holding this hamster. I think he squeezed it too hard in holding it because it bit him, drawing blood. And he was so surprised to be bitten by this hamster that he threw his hands up in the air and sent the poor creature flying. And the hamster hit the ceiling and then it dropped and plopped down on the ground with a thump. My brothers and I couldn't believe it. We looked at that poor hamster. It didn't look like it was breathing at all. Its legs were kind of frozen in place. Its eyes were fixed. We touched it. It looked like it wasn't moving. We assumed that the thing was dead. Now, I don't know why, but for some reason, my brother didn't do anything about it. He just left the hamster there. He didn't put it back in the cage. He didn't go and bury it. He just left it there. Well, about an hour later, I was in the garage again, and it occurred to me, hey, the hamster's gone. And I knew none of my brothers had moved it, and so I went to my older brother. I said, the hamster's gone. And so the two of us went in the garage, and we began to look for it. And we found it. It was hiding by some boxes. I think it didn't want to be picked up again. That's just my theory. 
we thought it was dead, but it wasn't dead. There are people these days that suggest that Jesus didn't really die, that he wasn't really buried, that there wasn't really a resurrection. It's called this, the swoon theory. And according to this theory, Jesus just fainted. It's like he woke up in, in the tomb and, and he was alive after all. The theory is ridiculous. The thought that Jesus could have endured all that he endured to have his, his back was just like shreds of flesh. And he would hang on a cross for six hours, bleeding with the nails in his hands and his feet. And then he was wrapped in 75 pounds of spices. I mean, if the cross hadn't killed him, the spices would have. And then we're supposed to believe that somehow he rolled away the stone, somehow he overpowered the Roman soldiers, and somehow he appeared to his disciples as if he had never died. When the disciples saw Jesus, his new body was so amazing that they hardly recognized him. They realized this is, I mean, how could, how could this be Jesus? And they realized he had indeed risen from the dead. Now, if you'd gone through what Jesus did, after three days, you wouldn't be able to stand, let alone prove to your closest friends that you had indeed risen from the dead, that you had a glorified body. But that's what Jesus did. And these 10, 10 of these guys, died with that message on their lips, not one of them was willing to recant. Not one said, no, I made it up when their life was on the line. No, something happens when you see a resurrected Christ. But it matters because of what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 14. He says, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep or those who have died through Jesus. Because Jesus rose again from the dead, if we've put our trust in Jesus Christ, then we too will rise again. He was the one who opened the way for us. He was the one that broke the power of sin and death. He's the one who offers for us eternal life. And that's why Jesus said to a close friend named Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies because Christians go from life to life. The resurrection was a game changer. It implies a pardon for the past, power for the present, and a promise for the future. But how do we get this? Well, in a moment, I wanna come back up after we sing a song for you. The song is called Praise Before My Breakthrough. It's a song that talks about the fact that while we're waiting for a breakthrough in our lives, we can still praise God because the God who did things in the past is able to do things in the future. Some of the words of the song go this way. He who came in power, he will come again. He who heals the sick, won't he move again? He who raised the dead, won't he raise again? And I will sing, I will sing. of the 
do we get that pardon for sin and, and the power to live differently and the promise for the future? It's simply by putting our trust, as the song talked about, our trust in Jesus as God's solution to the problem of our sin. I'm reminded of the religious leader who came to talk with Jesus one night and Jesus looked at this guy and he said, unless you're born anew, unless you're born again, unless you're born from on high, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was describing a change that needed to take place in his life. There's no greater breakthrough than to be born anew, to get a brand new start. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ offers us. When Nicodemus, the religious leader, asked Jesus, what do I need to do? He said, Jesus said, what I think are the most famous words in the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not suffer eternal ruin, but instead will have eternal life. It's about making Jesus Christ the object of our trust. And if you've never done that, I encourage you to do that today. It's just an acknowledgement. I, I know I've sinned and I need a savior. I can't fix my sinfulness, my brokenness. I can't clean myself up enough. I wanna put my trust in you, Jesus. I want your death and resurrection to count for me. And the change takes place. And in a moment, I want to offer a prayer that I want to encourage you to pray if you've never put your trust in Jesus. Uh, if you already have, though, I want to encourage you the way Paul did to recognize the power that's at work within your life because I, I think we, we live powerless lives many times. And yet the very power that raised Christ from the dead that brought about that resurrection is able to bring about a resurrection in our own lives. He's able to change us if we begin to walk in Him. That again is the game changer. It's the breakthrough. Because God makes it possible for us to grow and change and become more and more like Jesus as we put our trust in Him. I'd like us to bow our heads. We're gonna sing another song here called Breakthrough. But before we sing that song, I just wanna offer a prayer that I encourage you to pray in your own heart to God if you've never done so. Even use your own words if you want silently, but the prayer is something like this. Dear God, I know that I've blown it. I know I sin and I can't fix it. I need a savior, a deliverer. And I do believe, God, that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world, that he died in my place and for the things I did wrong and was buried, but then he rose again from the dead you have accepted the payment he made on my behalf and so today I say yes to Jesus today I receive him as my savior and put my trust in him today I claim that promise in John 3 where you said whoever believes in him whoever puts their trust in him would have eternal life and so I come to you for that for forgiveness accept me as your child for I come to you in Jesus name and because of what he did for me amen Unexplored 
this one desire stirring here in me deep is calling out to deep take me from where i've been into something new i'm giving up control i need a breakthrough all of my dreams and fears are crashing into you you're waking up my hope you are my my defenses opens the impossible it's so amazing how you take the ashes and turn them into beautiful take me from where i've been into something i'm giving up control i need a breakthrough into you you're waking up my hope you are my breakthrough come breakthrough you are my breakthrough come breakthrough you You 
thank you, Lord, that you don't just bring about breakthroughs in our lives, but you are our breakthrough. That if we have you, oh Lord, we have everything. We're so grateful for the change that you're able to make in our lives, that when we put our trust in Jesus, we're born anew. And this begins a brand new life as we grow before you, as we experience your power in our lives. That we have hope, hope in the present, hope for the future, hope for the past because of what you've done for us. We celebrate, O oh Lord, the resurrection of your son. We rejoice in him. And thank you for the difference it can make in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes our time this morning, but have a blessed rest of your Easter.